This is New Hampshire's home for sports on ESPN New Hampshire Radio, WGAM, Manchester, WGHM, Nashua. run here one hour down one and a half to go here on thanksgiving eve on espn new hampshire reminder stay tuned here for after this we have the pregame show for the turkey bowl and then the turkey bowl is at six o'clock live here in espn new hampshire nashua north and south do battle uh, some interesting stuff here. Just seeing this, uh, we were too busy talking away on the air and having fun. But uh, Tom Brady not at practice today for the New England Patriots. Reason for his absence was immediately wasn't immediately clear. Uh, there is some people saying it was personal reasons, uh, but nothing definitive yet oh. as to why Tom Brady was not. Can we redo those picks? <laughs> like. Whoa. Yeah. Now, remember, he took a nice shot in the Seahawks game to his leg. leg. Yep. From uh, Chancellor, right? Yes. Yep. And he was, he missed a practice. He missed a practice last week. Leading up to that. Yep. Uh, However, ironically, tight end Rob Gronkowski present after missing last week with a lung injury, but he is not expected to play. uh, According to. Uh, Diane at ESPN. Who was it? She, I, I've, I've never heard of her. Yeah. Uh, but Mike Reese retweeted her. And if my man Reese is retweeting something, I know it's legit. Yeah, he's back out of practice in pads, but he's not going to play. Yeah. Hmm. Per at Diana ESPN, Rob Gronkowski not expected to play versus the Jets. She is a Sports Center anchor, and that's all it says in her hmm. bio. Uh, you can follow her at Diana ESPN. 
descriptive. Yeah. <laughs> but that's about it. That's what we got for you from practice. Uh, some interesting quotes from Mr. Belichick. Uh, and we have a bit of his uh, of his press conference here. We'll play a little of it, but then I want to play a little Thanksgiving ditty I got for you. So let's get into uh, Mr. Excitement himself here, Bill Belichick. But he's got good quickness and he's a good decision maker. So when he sees space on third down, he knows he can get it, he gets it. Uh, if he can't get it and the defense has done a good job containing him, he can throw the ball. So um, again, he runs when he needs to run. I don't think he runs just to run, but he can definitely pick up yards in the critical situations. So you have to account for him or uh, either account for him with somebody or account for him by rushing in a way that he can't really get out. Dante Dunn as a first-year captain, how important has his leadership been when you have um, several new bodies there at linebacker? Yeah, I think Dante's done a good job for us. Um, I meet with those guys every week. I think he has a good good pulse on, on the team, on his teammates, um, what the defense needs to do and so forth. Uh, so I rely on him and, um, and, and the other players that are in there. Devin is the other defensive player. Uh, so they... And I rely on them a lot. I think they do a great job with the overall communication and preparation of their uh, respective units and the entire uh, defense. So I think he's, I mean, that's a little bit the nature of that position too, safety, linebacker, quarterback, center. Uh, those guys that are in the middle of the communication uh, are more involved in communication adjustments, um, co- overall coordination of that part of the of the play or that part of the their their unit, so um, you know inherently that comes a little bit with the position. But he's done a good job of it. Bill, how important are those meetings for you with the captains every week? How long have you been doing it? I've been doing it since I've been a head coach. Uh, I mean, for us, it's a good a good opportunity to. I mean, look, I can't meet with every single player. Um, that really is not not practical. So. Um, I rely on those meetings to get feedback from the players, or sometimes I explain things to the, things to the players uh, that I feel like the team needs to know and let them you know, convey the message in their way or at least understand what, uh, what the thought process is uh, from my standpoint or the staff standpoint. Um, but I, I talk to them, and, and they give me a lot of feedback every week. They do a great job of... Um, so not telling you what you think the coach wants to hear, but telling you what they think is important, what we need to do, uh, where there's an issue, what we need to address, and then you know, that helps me address it. So you know, most important thing for us is on Sunday, everybody being ready to go, being on the same page, uh, going in there collectively, ready to perform our best. And uh, between Friday morning and Sunday afternoon, there's still plenty of time to um, sometimes make some changes or adjustments or go back over something or whatever the situation happens to be and address it. So that's um, it's very valuable. And it's, it's a good group. You know, Rob and um, Slate and um, Devin and Hi have done a good job. Hey, Bill, you just said something interesting we talking with Ben about different players having a green dot that brings up situations. Have you ever faced a situation that you have not practiced for or haven't seen before? A situation. Any kind of situations on the football field that you're staying on the sidelines? I haven't seen this before or this hasn't come up, we haven't practiced it? Uh, 
Sure, yeah. I mean, you might have seen it before, but maybe you haven't practiced it with this group uh, that happens to be out there. It might have been you know, a different place or a different time or that type of thing, but yeah, but we, look, we know that we, you know, the proverbial, you know, they could come out with nine foot line splits. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, we're not going to practice nine foot line splits every week, but what if they come out in them, you know? So if there's an unexpected situation that comes up, then we have a, a call that we would get to, uh, or it could be two calls, depending on maybe what personnel we have in the game uh, or something like that to kind of, you know, be sound and just play through the down and, and figure it out. You mentioned um, the Hightower and McCourty as the captain sort of inherent in the position, the communication, and the captainship on the offense with Gronkowski. Is that a little different, the tight end? Because that wouldn't be the first position maybe some would look at and say sort of similar to like quarterback or... Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not saying that, the, that those positions have to be captains. I'm just saying those positions are inherent in the communication of the... That particular unit, just like the personal protectors inherent in the handles the communication on the punt team and so forth. So um, we had captains at other positions. Troy Brown's a receiver. I mean, um, you know, Rob. I mean, I don't think that's a prerequisite. I'm just saying, when it comes to making communication on the offensive or defensive side of the ball, it basically starts on the inside and works its way out. You don't have receivers and corners. You know being the primary person in the, in the communication because who's going to be able to communicate with him? The guy next to him, and that's going to have to go from there. So it doesn't mean those guys, Rob Nikovich, you know, Mike Vrabel, those guys that played on the end of the line, I mean, they were great captains and great leaders. And again, I don't think that's a prerequisite for the captain position. What does Tom add to the room? I mean, he's been there for a while. Yeah, I mean, again, there's another, you know, I mean, the offense runs through him, so... Um, know his input on you know where the team is offensively uh, on Friday going into the weekend is usually going to have some bearing on what what happens the next couple of days and then into Sunday just like high and Devin would have on on defense or slate in the kicking game I mean again it's the same thing you know you, if you had 10 people in there you'd have you know input from probably 10 good people but I mean you know it's hard to have a captain's meeting with you know 15 captains I mean it's just you know I'm not saying you can't do it I'm just saying it's just got to decide how you want to set it up we've usually historically had a couple guys on each side of the ball somebody in the kicking game um, and our players in the kicking game were pretty consistent it was Larry pretty much to uh, you know to slate um, but you know but, you know, obviously we have other great leaders there, too. You know, we've had them in the past, from the Tracy Whites to Nate Ebners to, you know, our returners and so forth. But, you know, however you set it up, you, we try to get a couple guys from each each general area. And, you know, whoever the players, whoever the players select, I mean, really, it's not, it's not my choice. It's their choice. How often do things get changed? After those meetings, or is it more stuff during the weekend? And I was a little of Bill Belichick today for you, and um, yeah, typical Belichick stuff. Uh, Usual, boring. yeah, yeah, nothing good. He was not too amused about the butt fumble question. No, no, yeah. not happy about that. No, no. no. I, but well, you know. who would be though? Now, my question is: I mean, it's a, it's a day before Thanksgiving, so if I was to come in, 
And unlike the Vegas Golden Knights, actually have the video work and, and play this clip from South Park for him. Do you think I would get a laugh? What do you think? I don't know. I don't know if he's a South Park uh, let's fan. Let's do this. Let's a few, a few listeners, uh, a little Thanksgiving cheer for you here before we cut to break. Okay, children, let's settle down. We have a very special guest today to tell us all about Thanksgiving. All the way from the pagan state of California, Mr. Jay Leno. Hi, young people. <laughs> it's great to be here. Look, you know, I just flew into the... Whoa, check out his chin. Yeah, dude. It looks like Kenny wants to know if that's your real chin or if you had a silicone implant. All right, all right, kids. Very funny. Look, believe me, there isn't a chin joke you can tell me that I haven't already heard, okay? So let's just put a stop. I bet you go through about 40 razors when you shave, huh? All right, let's talk about Thanksgiving, shall we? Did you have to check that into oversized baggage on the plane? Okay, that's enough, all right? Now, does anybody know why we celebrate Thanksgiving? Yes, little boy. Do you have to put your chin in a baby chair when you drive? Hey! We're talking about Thanksgiving! I bet he does. Totally. Come on, kids. I want to know what you children are thankful for this season. B besides the fact that you don't have my chin. I'm thankful for cable television because you can say words like go f yourself and kiss my ass. Yeah, and stop f***ing my ear, you f bastard. How about, why don't you... Take your testicles and wrap them around your, your ass because you look like a little monkey. Whoa, whoa, whoa. M Mr. Garrison, you you let them talk this way in school? Oh, I can't control them. The little f***ers say whatever the f*** they want. Now, children, let's talk about what we're thankful for, okay? That's what Mr. Big Shot Hollywood is here for. I'm thankful for stuffing and pie. You would say that, fat ass. I'm not fat. I'm big boned. No, Jay Leno's chin is big boned. You are a big fat ass. You son of a bitch. I'll kick you in the nuts. Hey! Hey! Listen up! I don't want to come down here and talk, you foul-mouthed little brats, but those idiots at NBC, those executives, they say cute kids get us big ratings. Do you understand? You mean money in my pocket. Shut the hell up! You talk about the joys of Thanksgiving, damn it! Now, you, you, the fat kid. I'm not fat, I'm big man. I don't care! Now what does Thanksgiving mean to you? It symbolizes the pilgrim's dinner, when they ate with the Indians who taught them how to plant and harvest food, and they gave thanks for the food and for the Indians. Hey! Well, good. But well, one little thing, the politically correct term is Native Americans. Whoa, pilgrims ate Native Americans? Cool. No. If the pilgrims would have had Jay Leno's chin, they could have plowed their fields with it. Hey, hey, that's it. Screw you little bastards. I'm going home. Oh, my God. Jay Leno's chin killed Kenny. You bastard. Oh, who cares? He dies every damn episode. Look, I'm out of here. That, Justin, that, that is the way to Bill Belichick's heart. I'm that will open oh. him up. He will start to answer questions with real answers if we if, do that. If he if he doesn't laugh at that, I don't know what he's going to laugh at ever. I don't know if he ever laughs. Yeah, there's no way. No, he's got. I, I think he's got the secret stash of uh, South Park DVDs. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you, this is the way. The reporters want to get inside. They want to unlock. Try it. Someone's going to try it. They, they want to unlock the the safe of valuable information that this man holds that, that would make a great story. Ask Mr. Butt Fumble to uh, play that for <laughs> That's That's the only way. On your four-year anniversary of the Butt Fumble. Oh, yeah. boy. Anyhow, I hope that uh, cracked you up while you're sitting in traffic here. If you are on Thanksgiving Eve, I hope you get home safe. And thanks for listening to us here right now. We've got just about an hour left, just over an hour here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working the boards. We're going to switch gears and talk some hockey. Look back on the Bruins-Blues last night, a tough 3-2 loss, and 
injury to Zidane O'Chara. Yeah. Things could start to get ugly for this Bruins team. And on to talk about that in the next segment is Joe Haggerty of Comcast Sports New England. So stay with us. We'll be back. ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for Friday Night Lights. Yeah, baby, if you want to come on, say it's like that, cause that's how we break it down. 
Welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Those nice sounds you hear there, the music of Dub Apocalypse, and they will be live over at the Riverwalk Cafe right here in Nashua on Friday. Cap off the stroll for you. Have a nice, nice little time early evening, rocking around, going in, in and out the pubs and the restaurants and the shops, and cap it off with that. Top Apocalypse, Riverwalk Cafe, 35 Railroad Square in Nashua. Definitely urge you to check them out. I've seen them many a times. They play a lot at a pub near me called Blue McCabe's in Somerville, and uh, they're, they're just blowing up right now around the local music scene. Uh, so urge you to check that out and enjoy your Black Friday. And uh, joining us right now here in this Thanksgiving Eve to talk some Boston Bruins hockey is our man Joe Haggerty of Comcast Sportsnet New England. Hags, how you doing, buddy? What's up, Murph? How are you? Happy Turkey Day, my friend. You too, my friend. You too. And uh, I know that the Bruins issued an update on Zidane Ochara. He will not be traveling with the Ottawa. I mean, with the Bruins to face the Ottawa Senators in Ottawa tomorrow. Have you yourself heard anything else that hasn't been reported yet? Well, yeah, he's also doubtful for the Calgary game on Friday. He's. I, I don't think he's going to play in either game. And uh, we're supposed to get some sort of update later on in the week. Uh, on him, uh, which uh, the way things the, the Bruins are doing things now, I'm not necessarily reading good things uh, into that when they give an update. You know, when they sort of say a player's out and then they're going to give you an update, it almost uh, it's it seems like lately uh, with this administration with the Bruins that that's leading to some kind of uh, surgery or something a little more serious uh, and lengthy as far as uh, absence. So. You know, we'll see. You, you know as well as I do, Zdeno Char has uh, surprised us before with quick recoveries uh, to injuries that uh, knock people out for longer periods of time. And, you know, his threshold for pain and his willingness to play through things is, has always been unparalleled. But at the same time, he's 39 years old, and I think injuries and stuff like this is going to happen more often with him now and not less often. So, uh uh, the Bruins might want to brace for something a little worse than missing two games, I think, at this point. I, I mean, you look at that play. I've looked at it over a couple times now, Joe. You really can't, you know, if you you just make a guess from seeing it, you you can't really figure out what it might be, you know? I mean, it's it, it definitely, I would say, lower body. Would you agree with me there? Well, yeah. That's, that's what the, they're the saying Bruins it is. Came. But I'm saying, like, okay, so that's what they're saying is. But, I mean, I'm trying to think yeah. of his history. Right, because it's one right. of these things where he it didn't it looked like a harmless thing, and all of a sudden he's hurt and he's leaving the ice and he's leaving the game. So right. I'm I'm wondering, lower body. Hmm, what has he had in the past? It's been lower body, and is it something that maybe got reaggravated and came back? Well, and a couple of years ago, uh, he had an injury that most people have surgery for with his left knee, and he opted not to have the surgery and came back. And, and some people have Bingo. said, and, and you know, I, I think the argument is, is absolutely there, um, that he has not looked as good uh, you know, and, and as mobile uh, since coming back and not getting surgery on that left knee. So I, I think that is what most people, that's what I assume yep. is going on, especially where it's a seemingly harmless injury. And you know, he wasn't moving around well in that game before that period, at that point of time. So uh, you, you also wonder if this is just, you know, he'd been playing through it for a long time, and then finally he's, you know, it, it's gotten to be the point where he just can't, you know, function or he can't play like he wants to. Uh, 
Uh, and it wasn't necessarily one hit or one uh. event. You know, maybe this is a um, a lot of things catching up to him at, at once. Uh, that's certainly a possibility. And I, I it, put it this way: if I were to hear on Friday uh, the Bruins put out a release saying Zeno Chara's had left knee surgery and he's going to be out, you know, a month, uh, two months, four months, whatever, you know, but. <laughs> Probably not the rest of the season, but I could I could believe that he was doing some kind of surgery and might be out for a period of time. I am with you, Joe, and and, and now this opens up a whole can of worms uh, that you and I have sort of, I think, both publicly and amongst each other, just hanging out, spoken about before. Where this goes back to, let's say, coming out of the 2013-14 season. Uh, when they were eliminated by the Canadians in the, in the second round, uh, the year they won the President's Trophy, where it was clear, like crystal clear, that he was in decline. And then he comes into that season that you're referring to, I think it was 15, you know, beginning of last year, right? I mean, 15, 16, I think he missed some games in the beginning of the year. Yeah. Uh, and you with, wonder. With a rib injury, though. Yeah, the knee injury. I know. Yeah. But all I'm trying to say is, if if you're right, and I think you are, that this has been something he's been battling for a while, coupled with the fact that he is an aging defenseman, and then you combine it with the fact that they treat him as if he's a number one when he's a not when he's not a number one clearly to anyone in the NHL, and they don't make it a priority to go out and do whatever possible to get a number one or a number two or some kind of bridge guy that they've been talking about getting. The, the heat's going to come down right now on, on management. I, there's no way around it. I mean, if they come out and say he's out for more than a, a month, they're going to get – they're just going to get slammed, and and I think well, rightfully so. I think they will to some degree, but Murph, let's, let's be realistic too. If you subtract any number one defenseman from any team, they're going to be up a creek without a paddle. You know what I mean? Not but this should have been taken care of where it doesn't matter if he goes out, Joe. That's what I'm trying to well, say. Like, this should have been I mean, already to some degree, addressed. Mark, it was taken care of when Carlo developed into what he developed. You know, I, What's he developed I, if, into? Because he, he, he developed he, into... What did he look like the, without Chari the, last the night? Defen- he's, de- he's developed... Yeah, I think there was a couple of shifts where he had some panic, but I think he looks better in the third period. I'm not willing to say that he's absolutely can't play in the league and he's, he's lost without Zidane Chara. I'm going to give him a couple games before I make that judgment. I'm not going to make a snap to ju- judgment because a 19-year-old kid panicked on a couple of shifts okay. after his partner went down. I, I, look, look Mark, he should we're be the savior. Player, we're talking about a player that leads all NHL rookies in ice time and plus minus going That's into awesome. you know even after last night's game. He's been pretty good, and I want to see what he can do without him. I'm not saying he's going to be a number one defenseman. Oh. Uh, but I, I, you know, I understand why the Bruins didn't make the move since the season started, uh, because they saw what they had there with that player, and also because the uh, the prices continue to be ridiculous that uh, teams want them to pay to get these players. So, you know, I, I'm not going to kill them um, for not having somebody that can step in and be a number one guy when Chara goes down. Um, but, you know, obviously it would be a little bit of an easier situation if they had somebody. But let's say it's like Kevin Shattenkirk. Let's say they had made that trade over the summertime and he was here. Are you trying to tell me that they'd be in a much better situation with Kevin Shattenkirk as their number one filling in for Zidane Char? I don't think so. I mean, then, I, there's yeah, not many players out there that would, would be able to uh, – I don't think so. No, I don't think there's anyone can pl- eat up those minutes that Char gets. But what I'm trying to say is – Carlo's great and all, and I'm not going to blame him if he struggles right now. I'm not going to lay any blame on him at all. I'm going to lay it on right. management 
not having that guy between Carlo and Chara, that, that right, bridge who, from right, the right, present who, to the future. Who, who, who should it have been? Who would be able to fill in? I don't know, but I wouldn't Bruins be putting wouldn't five struggle. years into David Backs and all that money into him. I'd be putting $30 million into defense. Right, but I think they made a determination that they weren't going to be able to get a player that they really wanted defenseman-wise. And, well, I think you know, they made the right determination. I, don't, I agree with you. I, I, don't, I don't think it was the right move for a team that, you know, was in, in some level of a rebuild. But, you know, they, they have not been able to make a, a move for a defenseman because those kind of defensemen haven't really moved. You know, they were talking about Dmitry Kulikov, for God's sake, this summer. Like, would he be a one defenseman in no, the no, window? No. no. I, no. The players that they were potentially going to bring in wouldn't be – making that much of a difference now with Chara going down. The bottom line is they still rely heavily on Chara to do yeah. a lot of heavy lifting for them at 39 years old. And, uh, you know, he's become, along with Tuka Rask, the most irreplaceable guys uh, on that roster. Very good segue, my they friend. Just, they just don't have anybody that can fill in if anything happens to those two players. Perfect segue, and that leads me to this. Tuka Rask last night, I don't blame the game on him at all. Um, I think he... No, bad rebound. Exactly. No, I, I saw your it. tweets and I, I saw your talking points on CSNNE.com. I urge the readers to check it out because I agree with every bit of it. And yeah, bad rebounds. But my thing, Joe, the one thing I noticed, besides him being amazing on the ice, was there something else you've noticed about Tuca being around him after practice, after games, after a loss that was different than the last few years? Something like this, I'm talking this, about uh, verbally this this year. Yes. He's well, not, he's not blaming yeah, anyone. He's not. He's not, no, he's not pointing and, fingers. And you know what, Murph? And last you know night what? he was. Well, yeah, he was a little bit. And part of the reason why I think he hasn't been, and part of the reason why he's been better this year, it's cause is he's because he's worried about himself. Uh, he, he, well, no, he's he also because he's got his buddy Hudobin back. Yeah, uh, I think he was kind of a loner the last couple of years without Thornton there. And, you know, I think he was sort of on his own island, and he wasn't really as many goalies any of the are. players on the team. And I think there was, like, a, a separation between those two. And I don't think he was particularly happy, to be honest yeah. with you. You know, because he was kind of on his own, and there was definitely friction that had developed between the two sides. But I think things were better this year because he had somebody in Hudobin that he liked that was, you know, he could go out to dinner with on the road, that, like, somebody he was tighter with. That's a great and, point. And I think that's that's played into a lot of him getting back to a better place mentally yep. and physically. And, yeah, no, I mean, he was – But you know what I'm talking definitely... about. You remember that Tuka I'm talking about where, like, you and I would be like, we like Tuka. I mean, I, wanna, I want the listeners to yeah. know this isn't me saying he's a bad guy or anything, but sometimes we'd come away and be like, man – Sometimes maybe he just needs to worry about himself. Don't blame everyone in front. Just worry about his own. Well, and I, I saw him I doing that he was this blaming year. Any, I didn't think he was blaming anybody uh, but himself last night. To be honest, he was blaming the ref. What he said to for me, a, what well, I thought yeah, was a good I, goal. I, yeah, that that because I think he thought he was genuinely interfered with. But he was blaming uh, himself. I mean, he literally okay. told me when I asked him about the goals. He said I was giving up rebounds that I shouldn't. Oh, give good. Up. That's and, good. Okay, and I didn't that see was that. What led to the second and third goals? Yeah. So, I mean, he was taking accountability for that. I just think now, it's going to be been... something to watch, right? When, when Char goes yeah. down, and if they're without Char for an extended time and the defense starts to, to leak. Well, yeah, of course. I want to see how be, he responds be, mentally. They're going to be leaking oil and taking on water all over right. the place. Right, and I want to see what the post games are like with Tuca because I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, worried let's, about let's, that. Let's harken back to the first two games of the year last year when Char was hurt and couldn't play with the level of defense that they oh, have this year, last year, and it was an absolute disaster. Yeah. You know, 
a couple of years ago when he hurt his knee and he was out six plus weeks, they still had Seidenberg. They still had Dougie Hamilton. They still had a much better defenseman core yeah. that, that could withstand uh, his absence. You know, <laughs> if he's gone now, you're going to be getting you know, 25 minutes a night out of Tory Krug. You're going to ask a 19 year old kid to play big minutes. You're asking Kevin Miller to step in who hasn't played all season and immediately play bigger minutes. And you're asking, you know, Adam McQuaid uh, to be a potential top pairing guy with Tory Krug. Like, there are all kinds of bad things that are going to yeah. happen now if Char is gone for a long period of time. Yeah, let, let's see. Uh, let's see Tory Krug handling uh, Nikita Kucherov on Sunday uh, over and over again and again. That's good. Yeah, I'm with you, man. And, and you know, when you you just said too, they had Dougie. When you're saying that things are better defensively with Dougie <laughs> Hamilton, <laughs> then you know things are bad right now. You know, so yeah. Hey, listen, buddy, we gotta we gotta let you go here. But you look at this uh, these next three games. One thing I will say, and I don't know if you agree with me, I, I thought a good sign was I saw some comments from Brad Marchand recently where he was saying how he loved that the, the guys, specifically the young kids, were buying into Claude's system right now and going out there and just following it. You'd agree now, in a time like this, if you're going to be without Sedano Chara, whether you like Claude's system or not, the players are going to need to just focus on it and, and stay within it because if they try to freelance a bit, they could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, they're going to have to really simplify. And, it's and, going to be boring you know, hockey. That's the way they're going to have be. to win. It'll be simple. It'll be low scoring. It'll be boring. But it'll also be effective if they play that way. And, yep. you know, I, I think uh, Carlo is a perfect example. I think he was doing too much uh, when Charo was gone. He was yeah. straying too far from the net. Which is understandable. I think he was, he was expecting or he kind of forgot that Charo wasn't there and he was expecting a guy to be you know, in front of the net when he was kind of straying away to try to make a play and get the puck out of the zone. And then he realized it was like John Michael Lyles losing in a battle in front of the net. And uh, I think he had to make the mental adjustment, oh, I'm the one that's going to have to be in front of the net playing that <laughs> yeah. Chara-type role and, and not you know, roaming around all over the place to try to get things out of there. And, you know, I, I think that got him into trouble. He was out there for super long shifts, and he was aghast by the time the goals were scored. And I think that was a young kid kind of learning some lessons. And I, I would expect... He's going to be a lot better, and it'll be interesting uh, just from an evaluation standpoint uh, to see how good he is or how bad he is or how much he has to learn without Char there next to him. For sure. Great points, great points. Listen, my friend, you have a wonderful turkey day. Uh, and, and, hey, tonight, man, what do we got, 13 games on tap in the NHL? It's like a hockey fan's dream night. Uh, if, you, <laughs> if you can have the time, enjoy the hockey as well, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line, buddy. Sounds good, Murph. Talk to you, buddy. All Happy right. Thanksgiving. Joe Haggerty from Comcast Sportsnet New England. We get back. We'll look at the other end of the game tomorrow in Ottawa as we welcome on Chris Stevenson of TSN 1200 in Ottawa and NHL.com. The Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire will be back. Incredible discounts. Visit ESPNNHradio.com and click on ESPN NH Deals for unbeatable prices. They call this one a West End Shuffle. I see dancing, I see dancing. I see dancing. Yeah, that's you. Go to the West End Shuffle, alright? Check it out. I said, baby, 
Welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working the boards, doing a great job as always. We are motoring down the Stretch Run here into your Thanksgiving weekend. It's Thanksgiving Eve here in the States. We're going to head north of the border, though. They celebrated theirs uh, back in October. October. Boston accent kicking right in there, eh? Uh, but I'm uh, going to speak to an old friend of mine. Got to know him well during my time in Montreal and covering the game of hockey around the league. And uh, he's based out of Ottawa. He has ties in Montreal. And I'm sure he recognizes the voice of that unbelievable singer coming in. Of course, that's Shane Murphy based out of Montreal. You heard me play him plenty of times on the show here. And our next guest is Chris Stevenson. Uh, and Chris, he's still with NHL.com, my friend. NHL.com, TSN 1200 Radio. and That's what I thought. Good. All that other good stuff. Awesome. How are you, man? I'm good, man. It's good It's good to hear your voice. Good to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. And when, uh, were you in Montreal for the game last night? I was. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and, it was, uh, uh, it was uh, a game that, uh, the type of game that the Ottawa Senators have not played very often this year. They got funny, eh? They, they had gone... Uh, 12 games, I think it was officially, um, scoring two goals or fewer in 12 straight games. And in fact, they've, the last game where they were credited with three goals in a game was uh, against Vancouver back in October. Wow. And the third goal was into an empty net. <laughs> so in fact, it had been more like 14 games, Jimmy, since they had scored more than two goals in a game with a goalie in the net. And, and then, of course, they go up against Carey Price, the best goalie <laughs> in the world, and get four last night. Yeah. So, go figure. They made him look human, which is hard to do. And, uh, of course, Eric Carlson gets the uh, the game winner at 537 and a third. But uh, they also got some good news when they got Mike Hoffman back. And then he connects for a goal right away. Uh, talk about the impact he could have uh, coming back into an offense that needs goals. Yeah, well, you know, you're talking about a guy who uh, had 29 last year. And with the change in in the coaching staff going into this season, Guy Boucher and and uh, Mike Hoffman had a history going back to uh, junior hockey. And in fact, uh, Hoffman had his his best year in junior, and they had a championship team when they were together in junior. So certainly, uh, you know, big things were expected of of Hoffman. He had a great training camp, and then mm-hmm. um, like so many of the team's top offensive guys, got off to a got off to a slow start. So, uh, yeah, having him come back, and I think that's the other encouraging thing last night was, you know, not just the fact that they got four goals, mm-hmm. but it was the guys that they got the goals from. You yeah. know, Derek Broussard had gone uh, 15 games, I think it was, without a goal, and now he's got two in his last three. Uh-huh. Um, Hoffman getting the goal, uh, Mark Stone, Stone right? getting yeah. a goal, and Eric Carlson getting a goal. So, you know, those are the guys that they need to score on a consistent basis. They hadn't been doing it. So certainly it was a big, uh, I guess, an encouraging step forward for them last night that all those guys managed to get goals. Now, a guy that uh, Bruins fans here in uh, in the New England area, they might not remember his name, but he had a cup of coffee here. And I, I, I thought he was a, this is way back, I'm talking like 2006, 
was a great guy, really nice guy. Craig Anderson, the goalie yesterday, and he he had a great game. But uh, for our listeners that aren't familiar with what he's been going through, why don't you tell them? Yeah, his uh, wife, Nicole, was uh, diagnosed with a, a form of throat cancer um, back in October. So, you know, Anderson has kind of been um, on call to uh, be able to uh, to assist his wife, deal with, with the uh, whatever family issues come up as she goes through her treatment. Her, uh, her treatment, um, you know, has been uh, has been decided upon now and they've they've got the schedule. Um, I guess encouraging for the senators um, that when this process started, they weren't exactly sure how much Craig Anderson would be around. Now that the schedule and, and her course of treatment have been established, it sounds like uh, Anderson's going to be around a little bit more than mm-hmm. what they thought originally. So that's good news because uh, I really think when it comes to goaltenders around the league, he, he's one of the best kept secrets going. I mean, tremendously consistent. And, uh, you know, anybody who followed the centers a little bit last year knows that they were uh, outshot in, in 61 of 82 games last year. Wow. So whatever success they've had, and, and particularly the success that they've had this season, when you think about the lack of run support that he's been getting, mm-hmm. um, for them to have the record that they have, um, you can uh, credit a lot of that to the, to the play of Craig Anderson. I, I agree with you too. He is one of the uh, sort of the underrated goalies and stories in the NHL, and um, I, I think he's gone on to have a great career there in Ottawa. And I'm, you know, I'm happy to hear. Hopefully, you know, his wife uh, gets the right treatment and things go well for him there. Uh, when you think Ottawa, you think Eric Carlson there. And uh, for the the listeners here who don't get to see him enough and just know him uh, as the offensive Paul Coffey like guy he is. Are there things that they can look for that he's doing better defensively nowadays? Um, I think we've seen Eric Carlson kind of um, get to maybe a new level of, of maturity as as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been the captain for uh, for a few years now. And, you know, I think he really has bought into the system that Guy Boucher brought in this year. And, you know, his mandate was really – to address that problem I talked about earlier, and that was to cut down the number of shots and the amount of time that they're spending in their own zone. And I think you can, uh, as they adapted to that system, I think you can attribute the fact that uh, they haven't scored goals at the clip that they did last year. Don't forget last year, they were, they were the ninth highest scoring team in the league last year. Yeah. So, you know, they've made, they've made a commitment to playing better defense. And I think uh, a number of the offensive guys have seen uh, have sacrificed their offensive numbers so far to buy into that system. And I think Eric Carlson's one of those guys. Yeah. And you know, it might have been easy for him to, you know, be complaining about not getting uh, not getting the uh, the offensive chances that that he maybe got in the past because of the way that they're trying to play. Mm-hmm. But he's just kind of, you know, bought in, bought into the system, um, been playing way better defensively. He's actually had the opportunity to, to kill some penalties here and there, which, wow. which he didn't really do before. <laughs> and the, the other thing, and pretty significant to me, I didn't check the sheet last night, but, you know, he was a guy who was among the ice time leaders in the National Hockey League, and his average shift was often up in the high 50s or a minute. And he's really bought into uh, uh, Boucher's emphasis on on uh, on a quicker paced game, and that requires shorter shifts. And Carlson's been right in that 45 second range. 
where where most coaches want their guys. So that that's another area where he's kind of uh, he's kind of bought in. He's getting the same amount of ice time, um, but his number of shifts have gone up. And uh, he's kept those shifts to 45 seconds. So, you know, a, a couple of, you know, a couple of indications that, that Eric Carlson's along for the ride here and has bought into what the, uh, in, what into the new coach's uh, philosophy. And on that note, then, I must imagine uh, that's a good thing for Guy Boucher when his uh, captain is buying in and really executing the system he's presenting. Yeah. How's the rest of the team responded? Uh, much like Carlson? Yeah. I mean, I think they've... Uh, you know, through the first part of the season, I think it's taken a little while for them to kind of um, um, learn the system and get to the point where they really don't have to think about it. I think that's one of the reasons that's the, the, one of the things that's held them back a little bit offensively, Jimmy, is that they have been uh, thinking about what they're doing a little too much, uh, with the emphasis being on taking care of, of uh, defense first. I think that's why the... Uh, the goal production hasn't been there to the level that it's been in the past. But, you know, Boucher said this the other day, you know, like we, we have been really working hard and been committed to getting the, the defensive part of the game down. The goals will come once the guys get more comfortable and it becomes more instinctual when it comes to where you need to be defensively. Um, did they turn the corner last night by getting four goals? I mean, I don't know. It, it wasn't one of their better uh, defensive efforts last night against the talented Canadians team. But um, but anytime you get yeah, four goals it, it against like, Price, you know, right? Yeah, but you know, it it does look like he's had a pretty good buy-in so far. That's good, and you know, I I always liked him. I'm happy to see him back in the NHL. I remember covering him obviously when the Lightning and Bruins met in the uh, yeah. 2011 Conference Finals. He was yeah. a great interview, and he was always uh, one of those guys uh, willing to sit with the media afterwards after the mics were off and just talk some hockey. And I appreciated that. So uh, it's good to see him back there and. Great to talk to you again, my friend. I won't be making it up to Auto tomorrow. I'll be uh, I'll be watching a game in a turkey coma, probably, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> having my leftovers and a little wine. But uh, we will have to cross paths soon. All right. I will look forward to that. Yeah, always a good day up here because as you're doing your work during the afternoon, we get the chance to watch some football. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. We we're just saying that, and then of course there's what twelve hockey games tonight. It's a great sports. Long weekend here in the States. Hey, listen, Chris, always a pleasure, buddy. Keep up the good work. We'll talk to you. All right, Jamie. Good talking to you. All right. That is Chris Stevenson of TSN 1200 in Ottawa and NHL.com. And voila, we are at the last segment. It is last call here on Stretch Run on Thanksgiving Eve. And that means it's time for Gabriel Morenci and the NFL and NCAA football picks he makes. He'll give us a couple hockey picks for the hockey marathon tonight. You know, we'll do a little wild card pick or something. We'll see what he thinks, and uh, you stay with us here on ESPN New Hampshire to stretch run. We'll be back. Music. 